Well, hello and welcome to episode 207 of The Cool Room. The end of 2023 is fast approaching and that means all sorts of things. One of the things it means, of course, is that the Williamstown Beer Festival has come and gone. And this is the first of two episodes you're going to get to enjoy with some of the interviews we did out there. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a minute, but there's lots of great things and I hope you'll stick around and hear all the brewers that we have on the show today. But look, the end of 2023 means other things as well. We've got some great online podcasts coming up. You can come and join us as we chat to New South Wales's Willie the Boatman. And then we're live all the way uh, from America with Virginia Brewers Adroit Theory. Uh, We've had them on the show once before. We've got an amazing six-pack, well, actually, amazing six-packs to accompany both of those shows. Uh, Head over to our Shopify. Check out a cool room Shopify. Uh, Just Google that and you'll be able to find us. Uh, amazing, amazing packs for that. Uh, the Adroit Theory one in particular. Six great beers, normally super expensive today, all six just together, $99. Um, really good value for some of the most amazing beers in the world. And we're already lining up our 2024 guests, announcing that Brayside Brewing is going to be the first of the breweries that we welcome into the online Zoom room on a Thursday night uh, in 2024. Look, there's much more, though, to celebrate at the end of 2023 before we get to that. Uh, in particular, going back out as is fast becoming our tradition to Hawker's Brewing in Melbourne. Uh, for our end-of-year celebration, Maz has been cooking up some amazing things, and as we know, he loves a chat. Uh, we're going to be out there in the evening of the 29th uh, of December. Check out our Facebook. You'll find on the events uh, tab there all of the things that we have coming up, in particular more information about what we'll be doing out there uh, on the 29th of December. And just like at Williamstown, really hoping that people will be there in their cool room merch. That's right. After five years, we've finally got T-shirts and hoodies so that you can show off the fact that you are a cool room listener. Uh, again, head over to the Cool Room Shopify store, click the merch tab and you'll be able to find all of those things. It was great out at Williamstown to see people in the gear. Uh, really fun to encounter people who I didn't even really know, despite the fact that they were uh, Cool Room subscribers, uh, Cool Room customers. I wouldn't have been able to recognise them by face, but as soon as they had a Cool Room t-shirt on, we were able to connect great way to catch up and have a yarn to people you didn't otherwise know. And that's exactly what we did out at Williamstown. Now, look, I should say, if it's one of your first times listening to the podcast, this is a live episode uh, that we recorded out in an enormous shed uh, with all of the noises that you would expect to be having in the beer festival background. Uh, It is not uh, you're going to have to sort of fiddle with your with your speakers a little bit, perhaps, just to get the best audio as we go along. There's some really great insights, though. And um, I guess, as you will hear, a bit of a shout-out to the people who are playing the saxophones out there, which has made editing this quite a task, and that's why it's a few weeks after the episode that uh, when we recorded it that we finally got it out there. As I say, the first of two episodes, uh, my co-host out at Williamstown was Mick from Hypocrisy, uh, really good fun to have Mick back on the show. Lots of fun insights as a brewer that he was able to offer and really great to see just yesterday as I record this introduction, uh, his beer in the Canvent uh, pack 
Uh, really good fun. I haven't tasted mine yet, but I'm assured by others who have that it tastes amazing. I'm sure it does, as all of Mick's things do. Uh, so really, shout out to Mick for getting into that pack. It's a sign of how good a brewery is that he was chosen to be in there. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to catch up with Urban Alley uh, and with Tim from Co-Conspirators, regular listeners to the show, but really interesting insights as we get towards the end of 2023. They're going to talk about the trends that they've seen throughout this year and where they think the industry is going to be going uh, in the years to come and what their plans are to deal with all those changes in the industry. Look, let's get underway without any further ado. Out to the giant shed in Williamstown. Well, here we are. We're out of our home away from home. So that's right, we're in a giant shed in Williamstown. Uh, chaos reigns, just like it does every time we come out to the Williamstown Beer Festival that we know. And you will hear, as this podcast unfolds, that chaos will turn to beery goodness. We're going to have some great conversations with some great Victorian brewers today. And best of all, I have a special guest host joining me live in the studio, in this giant, uh, in this giant shed tonight. Mick from Hypocrisy, you're back on the show after only a couple of episodes. Oh, well, you know, if Warren can't make it, I'm always happy to step up. And, you know, I live in Williamstown, so welcome to my home. It's, uh, it's fabulous to have Willie Beerfest back and, and the Crew Room podcast coming from home. This, this giant shed, now, is it your first Williamstown Beer Festival, brother? I was, I was lucky enough to be part of the first one, sort of. Uh, I signed up for it, designed a stand, and then... Um, Missed it by putting myself in the infectious diseases ward at Royal Melbourne Hospital. <laughs> now, how many years ago are we talking for that? I think that was about eight or nine years ago. I think we were on the eighth, eighth one. So I'm going to say eight, but I could be wrong. Uh, I then missed the one after that, after uh, smashing up a motorcycle the week before. But, well, I uh, want to go back to the first one. I mean, I don't, you know, there is such a thing as too much information, but... Can we find out which infectious disease you had? Uh, I was the original diagnosis was tuberculosis, which uh, yeah, in with a with a early smartphone, uh, the diagnosis was death, which kind of worried me. But yeah, you know, I, I took it's, it, it's very nineteenth century of you. I, I took it pretty well with when you know they had me in a in a space suit and put me in a, in a ward that took the nurses ten minutes to get dressed to come and see me, and I said to the doctor. I, there's a TV screen there. Does that work? And he's like, yes. I went, good. The Ashes starts today. You're telling me I'm here for a minimum of five days. I'm watching every ball of Australia or England. And uh, I take it you didn't have TV. Does that mean you didn't get to watch the whole match? I, I, I got my five days and I, uh, I ended up with a little bit of pneumonia just through uh, hard living and silly lifestyle choices. Uh, I've been there and done that before with a little touch of pleurisy just to, you know, just to sort of kick off the... Take the edge off. But, uh, yeah, look, it's, it was... I missed it, but, uh, yeah, my understanding of Scotty, who, who started the festival, uh, his feedback was, like, you know, I wasn't missed and the festival was a fantastic success. <laughs> and festival number two, you didn't get that here for that one either. I mean, oh, festival number two, I actually made it as a punter. I was meant to be pouring beers for everybody, but uh, it was uh, Hawker's first year. Oh, uh, so the first festival was going to be Truma? The first it? festival I was with Truma Pills. Austria's finest. And, uh, yeah, second festival, Hawker's first year. We were only a couple of months old, if that. And um, I managed to smash up a motorcycle uh, about five days before it. So I, I wandered on down from my, my home about 400 metres away and had broken ribs and drank some Imperial Stouts and some big West Coasts and uh, 
I think we actually and ended up I with think, pneumonia. I think Hawkers actually launched their, their saison here. Is that right? Now that's properly going back. So, so back when we were all in bottles, no cans to be seen. And um, and Joe Abood looked at me and said, "What are you doing here?" And Mazin was like, "You should be home resting." And I'm like, "Beer festival in my town? No way am I missing this." So paint people a little bit of a picture. Again, our overseas listeners, our listeners in Thailand, thank you for tuning in from sunny Thailand. Where is Williamstown in Melbourne? And, and this gives a bit of a vibe of the suburb. So William, Williamstown is actually one of the oldest settlements in Victoria by uh, the Anglos, the Western people. Um, where uh, on, the, on the other side of the Westgate Bridge, where the um, the premier Western suburb. The, the Turak of the West, as uh, some people call it, <laughs> but um, where it was the, the site where we're, we're actually sitting now is where the Enterprise, which was the boat that came in and was sort of the founding of Melbourne by white settlement, um, we're, we're at the spot where it was moored. Um, Williamstown, you know, quaint little shipbuilding community that's just you know we've lost all our primary industry. Where we're actually got a couple of boat builders within. 30, 40 metres of us right now. Um, it's Including some back in the day, especially some of the Australian Navy's helicopter yep. ships oh, and things were I'm, finished off here as well. If you're going to put a beer festival somewhere, put it next to uh, the Victorian Water Police's headquarters. <laughs> um, so, yeah, everyone will behave themselves today. But uh, look, we're, we're in the sheds at the, uh, the end of the Ann Street Pier. Ann Street Pier recently had um, the Steve Irwin was part of the... Um, the uh, Sea uh, Shepherd, the, the, sea Shepherd's boat. I was genuinely thinking you meant the man rather than the boat. No, no, no. Steve, Steve's not moored here. <laughs> uh, the boat that was named in his honour by Sea Shepherd was uh, recently uh, here and actually, fittingly, got turned into a bar for a while. Um, and then just, you know, the next pier across, we've got uh, the HMAS Castlemaine, who's in retirement. Uh, beautiful little seaside village. We've got really old school pubs and things like that. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're down to about five pubs from from the heyday, you know, 150 years ago, of about 40 pubs, and I'm, I'm probably wrong on that, it's probably more, but uh, walking walking around the streets you'll see almost every corner has what was an old pub. It's a, it's a fantastic part of the world, and we're really looking forward to catching up with some brewers, so in a few moments' time, on the podcast version, that's what you'll be listening to. up today, we are joined by co-conspirators, I know you'll find that hard to believe, uh, because they're only on the show every, what, three and a half days or something like that. Today's a little bit of an exception to the rule though, we're joined by Tim rather than Jackie. Tim, welcome to the show, thank you for not pulling out the uh, power cords in the last minute or so. Thank you very much, that was just a little test David, make sure you're on your game. And uh, well, I'm clearly not on my game, but... You have been on your game recently, brother. We've got two cracking beers from you today. Let's just do a really quick introduction for someone who hasn't listened to the previous 208 episodes of The Cool Room that you've been on. Right. Tell us the Cocon story. Where are you, most importantly? Right now. How long you've been around for? Okay, Co-Conspirators. I feel like we've been around for 100 years. So we are located... 100 episodes, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Well, what, maybe 100 or two. Isn't brewing dog ears anyway? <laughs> <laughs> So we have, we are located in uh, Brunswick, Victoria, uh, 
we are co-conspirators. We started off as a what they call gypsy brewery back in 2016 and then launched the brew pub about two and a half years ago and here we are now. And um, I've spoken to David and told this story, I think, at least 15 times. Well, I think you guys have some really super recognisable labels. Is it Clint at Pocket Beagles? That is correct, yes. And um, just tells the story beautifully. Like I look at the can and I want to know the story and I, I can read the story. The can art is a really interesting discussion. Oh, God, this is when Clint has been hiding in the ceiling all the way through this, <laughs> and, and suddenly he just seems like... Clint can sense in a magnificent way when people are talking about him. Oh, look, we, we love Clint, and it's a really positive relationship we've got with him. We've got to the point now, we don't really need to tell Clint what we want him to do with the label. He knows what we want. Is, uh, we is know that a really what... polite way of saying Clint just doesn't take instructions anymore? Graphic <laughs> designer just all, does what he wants to do. Yes, he, he's, he's a bit of a rogue, but yes. We love him, Clint. We do love him, brother. Yeah, but we, we do love having the beers to have a character. The character has an identity. Uh, there's enough characters now that they can interact with each other and everyone wants to know what did the matriarch do to the butcher and da da da. And it's a fascinating story. And yeah, everyone's well, got their own. Introduce the character that we're having right now then. So we have the hostess, our American paler. And uh, for those of you that aren't, aren't here and can't hear that, that was uh, one, of, uh, one of Australia's greatest beer fans falling off a plastic chair here at Williams Town Festival Live. Yes. So, that was the thing. Uh, yes. there you go. No harm no, done, he's fine and he didn't spill his beer. All is well. He did not spill a drop of beer. And so, uh, he's so, an experienced so, player. So well, well done, Pete. Well played. Well played. Uh, yeah, the hostess. The hostess, right, yes. So a delicious little American pale ale that we did with the lovely Leanne. Um, and we do love Leanne. Yes, absolutely. Pinot Pira wine there in uh, sunny Newmarket, yes. almost Flemington. Absolutely. I am a big fan of this beer. I really, really like this beer. I think this beer just shows you exactly what a pale ale should be. And... Very, very easy going, and we do have a lovely saxophone in the background now, so just to uh, fill it out. But yeah, a beautiful American pale ale, really, really toasty, light malt flavour, goes down really well, sub 5%, you can't go wrong. Absolutely, and I've got to say uh, that clearly the locals, at least in Flemington, love this, because this was going to be a one-off, and Leanne burned through her nine kegs in... Like literally about nine days? Yeah, I was going to say it was a matter of days. And yes, this beer has been very popular at Pinot, which we are so very chuffed about. And it's now third favourite at the brew pub as well. So, and, uh, you know, is yeah. there a conversation about core range going on? There, there has been whispers. There has been whispers. So, yeah, watch this space. It is a, yeah, a really cracking beer that... It, yeah. And perfect for a lovely but grey afternoon down in uh, Williamstown. It is a lovely but grey afternoon and uh, it's brightened significantly by having a saxophonist and uh, other people <laughs> wandering around. If you ever reckon your podcast is cursed, like I, I, I swear that Dan 
Danhausen, if you're a wrestling fan, has given this one a bit of a, a bit of a curse today. We haven't got the right chord, four chords in. We haven't got the right chord to make the noise go big, and then the saxophonist comes and stands next see, to us. See, I remember being told never work with uh, with children or animals, but they didn't say anything about the saxophonist. They didn't say anything about the brass section. Yeah. Yes. But here we are working with them. So if you're uh, if you're in Thailand listening to this, that's a, a pretty cool roving band walking around the festival. Uh, keeping everybody uh, on their toes. I mean, they're, they're really good, but also if you want a uh, saxophonist in Thailand, let me know. I'll pay for this flight to go there. Are <laughs> <laughs> we on the flight? No worries. Now, one of the questions that I can genuinely we have you guys on a lot, we love your beers, but we want to hear about what's happening in the beer industry at the end of 2023. What sort of trends are emerging, and I guess, what are you doing as a brewery to try and make sure that you're still on the cutting edge? It's, it's, it's a tough industry at the minute. Um, everyone, every, it's a tough industry. Everyone knows that. Everyone feels that. Uh, we're, we are working really hard to make sure we get fresh local beer available the way people want, and I think it's changing. People, you know, people do want really low alcohol approachable beers at the minute. That is certainly something we're seeing, and we're putting that out. And it, yeah, we're just sort of doing everything we can, like everyone else is. It's, 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 Are you seeing it's, different styles other than just the alcohol level, as well? Uh, different, you know. Yes and no. Um, I think. Oh, gee, just trying to remember the brew plan at the minute. Is it the saxophone that's uh, distracting him? Yes, it is. He's uh, far too bright and shiny. So, I mean, David's really polite, but are we seeing a cerveza from you guys coming out soon? We may well have a cerveza coming out very, very shortly for uh, our summer rotation. You may have seen a a gentleman and his surfboard before. Yes. Yes, and uh, you might see him again. Now, this doesn't mean the end of the Don, though, does it? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. There is is more Don coming. Um, Next year's Don is already in barrel waiting and uh, patiently stewing over his own thoughts for uh, another couple of months, and um, then he will be back. Yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, that's sort of where we are at at the minute. The hostess is a beer that we know and love here. Uh, it's basically, yeah, Pinot beer and wine is where you find the podcast. It's a bit like for those of us who are old enough to remember, and probably Mickey is. Yeah, at the end of Sail of the Century, they used to say, uh, the cast and crew choose to stay at, well, yeah, <laughs> the cast and crew of the podcast choose to drink at uh, Pinot beer and wine. I swear we're going to get it right this time as the band proceeds into the distance. Thank you to our fine saxophonist here at the Williamstown Beer Festival. We're here, we're talking to Customizer. I love this beer, I love the can art. Uh, I, I'm thinking, when I think uh, about the customizer, when I think about that word, I'm thinking uh, West Coast uh, modifications to my car. I'm thinking big wings. Give us a bit of an idea on what's on the outside of the can and, and, and it's what's low, on the inside. Isn't it? Ah. Definitely lower, yes. So, the customizer is one very cool uh, female mechanic. And uh, not afraid of getting her hands dirty, not afraid of getting her decks dirty, and uh, making sure that Clint doesn't have to draw hands, I notice. Absolutely, yes, yes. Yes, she she can absolutely get stuck right in. And so this beer was made for our second birthday. 
Now, how many years ago was your second birthday? I oh, say so the second birthday of the brew pub. Oh, so yes. quite recently then. Yes, quite recently. Yeah, that'll be the second year. So yes. So um, look. so yeah. What's in what's in the glass? What style have we got? Why should we be excited about it? This is a really, really tasty hoppy pilsner. It is very, very tasty. Uh, the qu- you know, there was a question: What is a West Coast pilsner? Yes. Is so, it really a style? Is it really a style? What beer isn't really a style? What beer really is a style? You could ask. Oh, I just go off the BJCP. Absolutely. But look, it's got a lot of West Coast style hops in it. It's got a beautiful uh, lager malt and some beautiful lager yeast. And it's got a ice, it's five and a half percent. It's got a beautiful sort of cracker malt profile. But then it comes through with a really nice bitterness on the end. It's far more bitter than a traditional Pilsner, but it's still got a light lager body, and at 5.5% is very, very easy going. So, very tasty beer, but definitely one for someone who likes it a little bit more hobby. And uh, was there a particular inspiration behind this? Was there a reason, like, is this something you think the market's ready for? Or just something you wanted to play around with? Why why this Uh, beer, why now? Why this beer, why now? I think our crazy sales team were very keen to try something a little bit different. Uh, I think think, think that's our second brewery today that's uh, taking heed from the sales team rather than from the brewing team. Uh, Which I think I find this fascinating from your perspective, you know, a a man uh, who is half chef, half griffin, half sales team, half brewer with the tail of of a serpent. There's a lot of halves there, but (laughs) I feel like... Yeah, I mean, collaboration could be the word that we use uh, when uh, brewers and sales team get together. Um, yeah. But, I mean, yes, it's going to be commercial, it's going to sell, and the, and the sales crew should know what, what's going to sell out there. Exactly, yeah. um, The brewers should also, I feel like, have a bit of a say, like, this is what we want to make, and yeah. you guys get paid to sell it. So, <laughs> on, the, on the brewing side, how, how would you find that? Oh, uh, look, I think... Uh, we have we have brew meetings every week, and it, there's always a bit of give and take on each thing. And you know the brewers are passionate about what they want to make, exactly right. And then the sales team will say, "This is what the market's asking for. This is what's going to sell." And then we've got to sort of have that little tussle and come out with the the best beer for that time. And, and, and who wins, brewers or reps? It's hard to tell. I think. I reckon sales wins most of the time. Does, does everyone just walk away thinking they had a win? Yes, yeah. As long that's, as everybody that's wins. That's perfect result. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody should, wins. Should go into politics, probably. Oh, I know. I know. Why not? <laughs> or I should go into brewing so that I have a feel that I can walk away from a meeting. Yeah, it's, it's a whole lot cleaner than politics. <laughs> For sure. Now, looking to the future, as we always do as politicians, uh, what's coming up in 2024 in co-conspirators land? What should we wow. be looking forward to, both in terms of in the brewery, but just generally, what's what's exciting you for the next year? Um, what's coming up? Um, so we've got some new and exciting uh, food options at the pub. Yeah, do tell. Yes. So for those of you that haven't tried it, we've got the lovely Elf's Pizza currently. They're there until Christmas time. And then uh, we've got some... New exciting options coming early next year. Oh, come on, give us the scoop. You can't, you can't. Ah, oh, well, it won't be pizza. 
Right? No, no. Um, there'll be a bit more of a barbecue slant on our next type of food that comes through. So watch this space, and Jackie will kill me right. if I say anything else. <laughs> Barbecue's always perfect for summer. What? Well, I, well, I guess I'm, I'm curious, and we, we're coming up to the festive season. If um, if you were writing a letter to Santa as a brewer and saying, "Hey, Santa, this is what we really need in our brewery." Ah, right. So what, 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 what's, what's the dear Santa letter looking a, like? A, bar, a barbecue restaurant with a Brazilian thing. Where's, where's Cocon going with their letter to Santa? Absolutely. Oh. A barbecue restaurant with a Argentinian thing. Something like that would be almost bang on the money. <laughs> well, that's Sorry. lucky because there's 168 other countries I could have gone through. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. We're, we're just going Melbourne and steak. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, why not? And a few other things. Yeah. Um, what What would be our wish list? I think. Oh, gee, I don't know. Um, more beer, more fun, more, you know, all of the above, really. Is there some kit that Santa could put in the sack and bring it to you? Oh, look, there's a lot of kit that Santa could put in the in yeah, sack. What, what would be the number one? But the question is, we're, we're pretty tight on space, and I don't even know exactly where we'd put it. But, um, look, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's always, you know, we always want to make more beer, so, you know. More space for more beer would be fantastic. Well, it's one of my favourite jokes from Hagar the Horrible, and I'm showing my age on that front. But the joke was, you know, what do you give a man who has everything? More storage space oh. uh, was the answer. Oh, and yes. so it sounds like uh, you need more storage space, so brother. Is, is, it, is there a rooftop coming at Kirkland soon? Oh, we'll have to, I think we might have to take the roof off. Yes. <laughs> go and just go up. Just go up. Go high. Now, if you, like me, are worried about the structural integrity of buildings, you will want to go to CoCon this summer and check out that building to see whether it can actually physically hold a rooftop bar. What address do we... See, see where I'm going with this? What address do we need to go to? 377 Victoria Street, Brunswick. Fantastic. And what are the socials for those who want to keep up to date with all of the CoCon news? Uh, as, as all the young people tell me, just Google it, mate. It's yeah, not hard. Absolutely. You know. See, if you have co-conspirators on Google, you'll find them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, rather than following on Facebook or looking at Twitter X, just go to the brew pub and have a pint. It's absolutely. a ripper. Just have a nice cold beer. Tim, thank you so much for repping uh, the magnificent Cocon brand with us this afternoon. These beers are cracking, and um, we look forward to seeing you in about 48 hours for your next appearance on the show. Oh, yeah, it's already in the calendar. No worries. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. This has been Cheers, guys. Brand. Cheers. Bye. Williamstown Beer Festival and we're back with one of our favourite Williamstown Beer Festival uh, attendees. We're here with Urban Alley. Uh, you've been on a couple of times now uh, and it's great that you can be here this afternoon and we've got some new friends uh, from Urban Alley. What an awesome opportunity to do our traditional cool room uh, introduction. We're going to get you guys to introduce each other and then we're going to taste three Urban Alley beers this afternoon. 
All right, well, we better start by introducing the person I've brought with me. Uh, I don't know whether you have this in your life, whether you have friends who are just so very smart that by comparison you feel dumb. Even everyone I know. Yeah, all, yeah. all my friends. Not a friend. yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very lucky. In, the, in our brewery, we have Ruth, who is so incredibly whip-smart uh, that if I try and understand what she's talking about, I have to get one of our other brewers to translate to dumb it down to, like, an acceptable level. Uh, so this is Ruth, uh, and she is one of our magnificent brewers. And uh, what, what do you reckon Ruth's favourite non-Urban Alley beer is? you got me stumped there. I, I mean, Corona? Yeah, definitely a Corona or, like, a Carlton Draft. Not, not a hard solo? Uh, yeah. Or pure blonde... One of those sort of beers. <laughs> now, we've, now we've set the tone for things, Ruth. You can see where things will go from here. Well, my favourite beer, uh, apart from Urban Alley, is not Corona, uh, just for the record. Um, and uh, I guess I need to now introduce our uh, manager, I guess my micro manager. Uh, <laughs> That's harsh. Being uh, you know, comes into the brewery and uh, tells us what we get to make um, and when we need it. Um, and I'm going to do my best year 10 teacher voice and go, Ruth, make sure you're using your big voice into the microphone as well. Because and, and I'm also going to say, hey, Ruth, never let sales dictate what you're brewing. <laughs> well, to be fair, they are the ones that like sell the beer, so we, don't, we do rely on sales to get the beer out the door. Otherwise, we just end up with, you know, no point making beer for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, you've ended up with the, the first beer we've got... Um, I reckon it's a bit of a ripper and uh, my wife's in the audience and my wife's not a beer drinker and she's already had a crack at this one and gave it a thumbs up so maybe one of you guys could tell us about what we've got in our hands. This is always one of the beers that we give to people who walk into our bar and say, oh... So what's a beer, Mitch? Oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, this is one of the beers we give to people who walk in and say, I'm oh, not really a big beer drinker. Uh, so this is our mango passion fruit sour. Uh, it's called the Mango's Nowhere. It's a beer that we first made back in the long past days of the lockdowns, uh, when it was when it was us going nowhere. We, we don't talk about that. <laughs> uh, but the beer became incredibly popular. It kept selling out, and so we just kept doing it. So and is then, it officially core range? Well, depends uh, on who you are. Yeah, I, I remember this from last year. There is, there is much consternation between the brewing staff and the sales as to whether it's a core range beer. I say yes. Uh, am I seeing this beer... Out and about in 2024. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> it's a beer that if we stop making it, people get angry at us, so we keep making it. And so tell us a bit about the techniques used. I mean, how, how does the mango arrive? You know? uh, so the fruit comes from, uh, we add that sort of later in fermentation. So at the acidity that you get, um, we kettle sour at first. So we use lactobacillus. Um, that vibrant sort of spritzy sort of acidity um, and then sort of later in the fermentation um, we'll then add our fruit to the uh, beer and so then it doesn't get lost during the flavour isn't lost through the beginning of fermentation so it sort of retains better in the beer well I've got to say I'm sure it's drinkable in any number and enjoyable in any number of situations but if you're a podcaster who's been struggling to find the right chords uh, to make uh, his amps work in a giant hall on a muggy day, 
this is exactly the beer I needed in my mind now for right now. That's exactly the audience we had in mind on the day. It's a very specific target market. So like I mean, I know, I know, you, I know Urban Ale has been on the podcast a few times, and I know you've got home at, at Docklands, but you've got um, you've got a couple of other places where I can go and find your beer that is, is your are your bars. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we like to, we, a lot of us come from our hospo backgrounds, uh, in sort of the, the levels of Urban Alley, and we like having pubs. It's, it's a really good way to get our beers out to as many people as possible. So we have a pub at uh, Knox Ozone out in Wonsona, uh, as well as a relatively new uh, taproom brew house at uh, Chatty. I, I do like the fact that you took over what was the Irish pub at yeah. Knox Ozone. Because when Ozone opened, I was, I was in my uh, early career as a, as a chef, and my favourite knockoff was sitting outside the restaurant I worked at with a pint, watching the fights come out of uh, <laughs> come out of the Irish. Uh, I'm so glad that you guys have uh, really improved the the Nox Ozone experience for those that don't want to punch on after pints of Guinness. It's a very niche conversation we're having. Um, it's certainly we're a lot cleaner than the Irish used to be. Yeah, well, I think David only brings me in because I have a like old man insight into all the bars in Melbourne. Yeah, and well, at least the fights uh, that used to occur there, you haven't sort of told me anything other than that, that sort of little bit of niche. But okay. uh, I, I live in Williamstown. I live around the corner from a pub called the Broken Nose. Absolutely. Well, you know, I live around the corner from what you know what was the uh, the Bayview in Kensington, which was known for uh, having all of the teeth swept out of the alleyway next door in the morning. So dentists used to come down and pick and figure out which ones they could use for you know for someone who needed a new mouth after. So we're, you know. we're we're pretty lucky that Urban Alley are, are sort of bring bring some class to some areas that need it. Yeah. Well done. I, I always think of us as very classy people. Absolutely right. We wouldn't say that. The fact that Ruth laughed when I said that should not be taken as any kind of dissent. <laughs> now, Ruth, how long have you been with Urban Alley? Uh, Give us a bit of your background. Tell yes. us a little bit of your story that brings you here. Uh, so I've uh, got, uh, I don't know, about close to seven years of brewing experience. Um, and I started at Urban Alley uh, August last year, so a little over a year ago. Um, prior to that, yeah, I've worked with various other breweries, so... And uh, what attracted you to Urban Alley? Was it just the fact that the bank kept on ringing and saying, when are you going to pay things? Or um, did, did you know Urban Alley and what, what attracted you so to be I've there? I've been friends with the head brewer for a number of years. He originally was a member, we were members of the same homebrew club, like, what was it, eight years ago? Um, so that's sort of where we met. Um, and, yeah, so just working with friends, I guess. And when it comes to these ones, which are not quite core range beers, yeah. but kind of core range beers... Uh, do you try to put your own little tweak on them, or is it just a matter of following the, you know? Oh, we just follow the recipe, yeah. We've got to try and, you know, I like beers that taste reliable, you know, so that you have it again and again and it tastes the same. If you have variation, then, you know, it sort of puts people off. Like, you want a beer to be stable and you want it to, you know, if you have it one time and it's really good, you want to be able to try it again later and have it taste the same. The old adage that uh, I've heard a lot of kitchens, which is a good chef will make a good meal, and a great chef will make a good meal every time. Oh, I like that. That's, uh, you know, I presume it doesn't apply to podcasters because we're no. very hit and miss in that regard. But no, no, as someone who's been a chef and a, and a rep, and yeah, I'm not going to use the word great in any of those sentences. So I'm, I'm curious. Like, I mean, 2023, we're, we're seeing some real hits in the industry. We're seeing. 
some real sadness in the industry. Where's, where's Urban Alley sitting at the moment? You know, we've, we've got voluntary administration going on, some breweries for sale. Where are you guys sitting and, and where, are you, where do you reckon you're heading for 2024? We're, we're pretty lucky. Uh, we're in a relatively strong position, in part because we've managed to get these pubs up and running. Uh, so where the wholesale market can be very up and down, uh, the fact that we've got pubs at our own that we can continue to make that kind of revenue through. Uh, and Dean Grant, who runs the company, uh, has a long history of hospitality. Uh, so because we've got that solid foundation, we're able to weather the ups and downs pretty smoothly. So if we have a bad month in the sales department, it's usually fine because we've got the pubs providing that really solid foundation. Trust me, your boss never ever going to say it. It's usually fine. <laughs> now we've been enjoying the man goes nowhere, but tell us what other things you've brought in for us today. Well, the next one we're going to move on to is the slap shot. Uh, it's one of our uh, our sort of core range beers that was a bit of an accidental success. Now. Well, tell us, tell us what all of that means. So, how, how do you have a, an accidental success? At, at the risk of taking us back to the time we don't talk about, uh, we first started looking at Slapshot in December of 2019. Uh, and our, our home brew pub in Docklands is right across the road from the Melbourne Ice Hockey Club. And one of the things that we will do a lot with uh, companies or sporting clubs is we'll do collaboration bids. And so, we, we, we're building this collaboration bid with the Melbourne Ice Hockey Club. They wanted a sort of slightly hoppier pale ale. And so we put together this slap shot beer. We had 100 cases of it on a pallet in our pool room ready to roll. Uh, and then, I don't know if you remember this, but then the world fell apart. Uh, I do recall. I had a pub at the time. Yeah. Uh, and so our general manager rang me one afternoon and said, they've closed their doors, they can't take the beer, go sell it. Uh, and it happened to be that I was out on the road at the time and talking to bottle shops. And everybody bought it, and everybody loved it. And so we brewed it again, and then we brewed it again, and we brewed it again, and then eventually we went, well, this is becoming a really popular beer, let's just keep it around family. So it's sort of the beer that just kept getting better and better with every batch. And, and, and the, then it's won a series of awards and is one of our most popular beers. And the, and the name Slapshot obviously is a bit of a nod to the, the guys playing ice hockey. Yeah. So it, it, even though it's no, no longer a collaboration beer with the ice hockey club, because it's, that's where the origin started, we keep that name as a sort of reference to where it came from. And it's very much a beer you share with your neighbours. And our neighbours happen to be in the ice hockey club. Yeah, don't, don't take slap shots at your neighbours, guys, but have a beer. Absolutely. And, and we, uh, I know and love the good people of those uh, ice hockey teams because they're excellent poutine eaters. And when I used to have a poutine bar... Uh, there was nothing but Canadians coming in and demanding that I pay for an NHL, uh, you know, licensing deal so that they could come in and watch the NHL all hour of the day. So, Now, I mean, you, you guys, this is not your first Willie Beer Fest. So, since you were last year, what's what's happened in the world of Urban Alley? Like, where, what, what have been the challenges? What have been the successes? What's been lots of fun? Challenges are the same thing as they always are, which is that wholesale is incredibly unpredictable. Uh, we've started to get more consistent in our brewing schedule, which is really nice. That's that's Ruth. It's, it's all Ruth. I'm not, no no brewers get any credit. It's only Ruth who gets the credit. No, that's what I heard. Uh, so we've, we've continued out our really nice theme of regular brews that are small batches. So rather than doing very large batches of 
one or two things, we do much more regularly small matches, which gives these guys a more more stuff to play around with, more experimental. So we do like a limited release once a month, essentially. Yeah. Um, and some of that is just in kick, and some of that feels like goes in the that whenever you come to Urban Alley, there's always something new you can try. If it's been three weeks since you last came along, there'll be something new on tap that you can try to. I guess something that's always interesting me when I talk to reps and as an ex-rep uh, and when I talk to brewers, like, always curious, like, when you're not drinking your own beer, what beer do you reach for? What would be in your fridge that isn't from work? I'm, I'm all about pale ale, so... Other sort of local, um, sort of independent Australian, uh, usually Melbourne breweries. Um, You're allowed to name them. Uh, okay, yeah, I do. Like go- is my go-to. I, I'm a little bit of an oddball. I, uh, I basically only drink the beer we make because, uh, well, money. Uh, my boss is listening to this, is he? Yeah, there's <laughs> we'll, a we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, no, I. I I like drinking beer that I know the story of, uh, and so for me personally, I like drinking the beers that we make because I know the story that's gone into them. Uh, come on, as one rep talking to another rep, I know that you've done swaps out of the back of the car. Oh, absolutely. Who, uh, who have you swapped with and gone, yeah, it's a good beer? Local brewing Local brewing well done. Good call. They're, they're good good yeah. friends of ours. And if you want to know the stories behind the local brewing co's beers, you can tune into one of the previous episodes of the Cool Room podcast. I should be a rep. <laughs> uh, tell us, generally speaking, while you guys are out there sort of in the market, not so much about yourselves, but what changes are you seeing in the market? Are there different styles emerging? Uh, are people paying different amounts? Do people want different sizes of things? What's the end of 2023 look like compared to the end of 2022 when we uh, first met you out here at the Williamstown Beer Festival? Oh, there's, there's some stuff that I'll say that might get me in trouble. Uh, Excellent. That's the idea. There is, there is a, a trend that is happening a lot in canned products, uh, which is, I think the technical term is shrinkflation which is breweries, rather than the traditional 375 mil going down to 355 or 325, or going from 24 packs to 16 packs. Uh, that's, a, that's a big trend that's happening across the board. That's not something that we do. Uh, we've stuck with the 375, 24 can, just because it's easier to do the maths on. Now, can, I, can I get myself into trouble? I'm lucky we've got some people sitting between us. At least on the pack size thing, can I challenge the shrinkflation and say... Is it more giving punters what they want? Is it that a lot of craft beer drinkers now actually like to be able to have different things in the fridge and that 24 was maybe too many for them? I think it's a little bit more on price point, I guess, because the smaller volume uh, means that you're paying for less beer, so it, I guess it's, it looks competitive. You know, like, yeah, your beer's a bit cheaper than your competitors. I know, it's, I know, it's a bit of an illusion. Yeah. I know one of the things that uh, I guess has really hurt is we had a CBI increase, then we got CDS in Melbourne, um, so we had almost two price hikes within a couple of weeks of each other, um, and, and it does look like the trend has gone to you know, 330s, 355, 16 packs rather than 24. Yeah, and overheads and, have gone up as well, so like the cost of ingredients and like cost of labour. 
Uh, we, we had to do our first price rise on our full range beer in about three years this year. Yeah, and it, mm. and it hurts, and the customer feels it. Uh, I mean, I know during uh, during that time we don't talk about. There was a lot of uh, tall boy cans where we were getting limited releases. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like the fact that you guys are still in the uh, what I call the Aussie can, the 375. It's a good fit in your hands. Um, my, my theory as well is that there's a there's a level of mental maths to it when you're talking about price point. That and I'm, when I'm dealing with bottle shop owners, it's the same maths. They're going a 24 case, they know what a good price is. A 16 case, they have to do the two thirds equation in their head. Yep. Uh, this is, can I tell you, as someone who sits in that bit of the market, I completely agree. The number of times that... Yeah, and, and you're right in that uh, a lot of uh, customers are wanting one or two cans, and so that's where a lot of the... A lot of bottle shops do the five, six cans from different things and we'll give you a discount or whatever. Um, I still really like that we do the, the 375 and 24. Do you, uh, do you pack in four packs or six packs? Uh, mostly four packs. Uh, we do two of our core range beers, the Urban Ale and the Urban Lager. We keep those in sixes, just because they're the market we go for with those beers is a little bit more of the bring the six pack to the barbecue. Uh, but we have switched to four packs for almost all of our beers. And the third of the beers that you've got for us today, is that coming in a four pack and a six pack? Uh, and tell us what it's all about. We're on the marbles, and um, I, I, you know, to me, it's a, a really good hit, hit of apricot type. Apricot almost borderline peach in there. Um, yeah, so this, yeah. Hop, uh, this hop variety is well known for um, yeah, apricot. Um, yeah, some, uh, and also, we get a lot of melon from it as well, so like rock melon uh, or cantaloupe, depending yep. on <laughs> where, where you're from. And, and a nice clear beer. Like I, I'm a pretty old school beer drinker, and, and I like beer that I can almost read the newspaper through. Yeah. Um, so well done for that. Yeah, and it's unfiltered, so um, yeah, we've done pretty well getting a nice, like, nice clarity on it. I like clear beers as well. So. And we've got some new labelling, a bit of a new approach to sort of the can there as well. I mean, obviously it's a new beer, so it's got a new label, but a bit of a sort of a, a more artsy feel to the front of it rather than... It's been a big transition for us over the last few years of trying to get more of a design process into our cans. Uh, we were really lucky for, for most of the last year or so we've had a, a graphic designer by the name of Bruno. Uh, Bruno was fantastic, did some really great designs for us. Uh, and I think this design is from Phil, who's our new graphic designer. It's his first, 
first design is knocked it way out of the park. And what's Phil's background? Has he sort of done other bits and pieces in the beer industry before, or is this brand new? And what kind of craft beer does, or what kind of beer does Phil like? Is it Corona? <laughs> yeah, let's say that. Uh, I'm actually not entirely sure where Phil comes to us from. He's sort of much like a, uh, a fairy tale character, materialised out of the ether when we needed him. Provided us with some pretty cracking designs from uh, these first few months. And I'm, I'm curious to ask Ruth, where does she see the trends heading? So going into 2024, what sort of beers am I likely to see from Australian craft brewers? Um, I, I think there's a push for non-alcoholic beers. Um, That's not beer. That's not beer. <laughs> you might be right, but <laughs> I think more uh, like core range beers. I think people. You're amongst friends on that front, I think it's fair to say. So we're, we're very keen to see those sorts of things. And in terms of Urban Alley itself, are there things that are sitting there in the fermenters or things that are in the in the recipe book that you're looking forward to sharing? Uh, I think because we're wrapping up the, the end of year at the moment, um, I've got another batch in the corner um, that's fermenting, but everything else is just more. The corner um, is one of our uh, hazy families. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is... Consistent beer. It was a beer we did as a, the launch for Chani. So that, both of our venues, uh, apart from Docklands, when they launched, got a sort of signature beer. So the Knox venue has a Pacific Ale, the one at Chani has an Asian Pale Ale. So and, and the Fashion Capital's taking the hazy? The Fashion Capital? Of course, yeah. And Ruth, our, our wrap up question we, we always like to have our traditional sort of core room questions. Our one for you in particular is. If you could ask Santa to uh, bring you one special bit of equipment for the brewery that's not there now, is there one thing that you'd like, you know, one little one little toy in the brewery that you'd like to have that's not there at the moment? Uh, more space. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. That's a very fair answer. Well, guys, it's been fantastic to have you on the show. Fantastic to uh, sample the mangoes nowhere that we've had before. It's still tasting magnificent. Great to be able to come through and taste some new beers as well. Um, just give us your socials so that we can make sure that everyone out there in Thailand and around the world can stay in touch with the uh, Urban Alley story. Basically on, on any of our on any of the platforms, it'll be at Urban Alley Brewery. How unimaginative. Uh, unimaginative in terms of your social media handles. Very imaginative in terms of what goes into the can. And can I just say in closing, I had an alley dangler the other day just a magnificent beer, you know, that's one of my favourite styles. It's still tasting magnificent. So, uh, thank you very much for being on the show today. Thanks for having us.